Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Law of Attraction Changed My Life. I'm Francesca Ramba, your host, and today I'm not at home, hunched over my laptop, by myself in my pajamas eating a pot noodle no no she's in a studio in london with a guest that's been here not once not twice but three times well this is my third time yes third or fourth it's my third time okay third yes. time yeah. <laughs> i didn't do my own research third time he's back for more it is our favorite love guru he's live and direct it's paul brunson i am honored to be here I'm honored to be here. I don't know what to do, with, to do with my hands though, because like the mic, I have to keep my hands under the mic like this. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's where I, I, I want to be over top of the <laughs> mic, but um, but no, it's an honor to be here. Congratulations on your new book, Find Love. I read it. I've read all of it. You read. I love it. Changed my life. Really. Well, yeah, some of the things you said in there are things that I will take with me. I'm going to I'm going to read them to you. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So the first thing is, the first concept from this book that I was like, "Yes, I love this idea or this this idea that helps us realize how hard dating is today is that in the olden days, we would have either arranged marriages yes. or we would be dating within our geographical vicinity so like you said your grandmother would have had like eight fucking men to choose from you know back in the day before online dating we would have had just the pool of people in our area and now like accessorize the <laughs> shop too much choice how do we overcome that yes there's, there's there's a lot of choice and you're absolutely right that there's a lot of choice and it causes what barry swartz calls analysis paralysis mm. right he wrote one of my favorite books paradox of choice and he's the one who coined that phrase. But a lot of people hear that phrase and they think, okay, analysis paralysis means too many choices, I freeze. Right. But if you dig deep, what Barry Schwartz is actually saying is that too many choices, when you finally make a choice, you have less satisfaction with the choice. Because you've seen all the other stuff? Exactly. Right. And it's because you're constantly thinking the grass is greener over there. 
right? So you're thinking, I picked option seven. What would have happened if I picked option one or two or three or oh, four or 16? So really what he's saying is that the best thing that we can do in terms of increasing our satisfaction around choice is to limit our choices. I love that. Do you know what? I had a friend who her mum and dad only ever had sex with each other, were married together for 30 years. Her older sisters only had sex with one person, was with that person. I used to be like, what is this fucking witchcraft? Like, you don't know all the dicks that are out there. (laughs) You haven't seen the choices. But now, retrospectively, looking at that, I'm thinking maybe they were right. I'm I'm telling you, so uh, this is something that my wife is going to be like, why are you saying all this? But I love having sex with my wife. Okay, good. Like I no, but but to the point where constantly when I talk to a lot of my guys, so I have a lot of mentees who are uh, who are men. Right. And they're a lot of them are in their late 20s, early 30s. And they and they live in New York, a lot of them. And they'll say, "Paul, like, man, I've I could be out here every night. I can be getting it in every night. Like, this is my issue. I I don't want to commit because I feel like I could basically, you know, have sex every every night of the week. Mm. And I, and I constantly try to reinforce to them that when you have sex with the same person who you love, right? So when I say, when you have, se- when you have sex with the person who you have a high level of emotional intimacy with, right. who you trust, who you could be vulnerable with, who will be vulnerable with you, I guarantee you the sex will be better. Oh, I, yeah. I guarantee you the sex will be better. And then think, then if you can then have sex with that person endlessly, then it's no choice it's no question why would you want to have sex with 20 other people or 30 other people so now depends on many things but ultimately what i'm trying to drive at is that there's there's a lot of value in in investing in one person okay there's a lot of value in that clearly because you've been married for what 25 years is it oh my gosh i wish it was 20 it's 22 22 22 same thing yeah yeah and usually people follow that up with like you do less for murder and it's like actually no like that's the wrong it's the wrong frame like you get to have sex with the same person for years what a fucking dream yeah yeah and yeah i mean we can even i mean yeah it's like it is a dream yeah it's, it's a dream i've not had <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to change that i can't wait we no, might we might already have changed it <laughs> we, we may have because a lot of people don't realize when i walked into the studio francesca was she at what? first <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> she was, <laughs> yeah. Can I say it? Can I say what yeah. you were doing in the studio? What was I doing? With this, yeah. with with the engineer. Well, blind me, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can yeah. I, it was you. It was you and the engineer. I mean, your sister was here, but she's got a camera on. It was your sister was filming you and the engineer when I walked in. Am I telling the truth? You are. You are. Who knows? You were standing. Yeah. He was seated. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't that. But I, it was, it was interesting because clearly, you know, you were flirting a little bit with him, and he was flirting right back. Do you think he was? Okay, yeah, that was that was. I mean, when he called you the uh, the psychopath, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then he was like, "I like that." <laughs> that was that was a flirt. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this just proves all I need to do is get out of my house and away from church baby groups, and I might meet a man. Can I say in the book? Yeah. Do you remember the premium effect? Oh, Paul, I've got that written down. Okay. I've got it written down. All right. The premium effect. Hang on, don't tell me. 
it is because I also wrote down about the social uh, social capital that yes. really interested me. So no, the premium effect. I was telling my sister about this just this morning. So as a mother of three that is like living in the countryside, I should go to the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that I stand out. You should do what you just did today. Yeah. This was an exhibit of the premium effect. Really? Right. So you're not from here. You don't live here where we're filming. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to presume that our engineer lives here somewhere around because this is his business. Yeah. Right. Um, that's an example of it. It is simply placing yourself in scenarios where you are not from that you're not familiar with and therefore the people who are there may not be may not be familiar with you and the more extreme the more premium that's placed on you so for example in a dating context if you live in new york and you come to london oh forget it forget it dick all day <laughs> dick all day that's yeah see yeah see, see? And, and 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 it's the opposite Right, so you think you're from, you live in Lincoln, let's say. Yeah. And you go to Nebraska in the US, it's the same thing. And so that's the key, and that's, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned in the matchmaking agency. So you can elevate your profile, elevate the way that other people perceive you simply by being different, by putting yourself in a different... I do that a lot. I go to a lot of gay bars, but it doesn't have the side effect. Yeah, I was going to say, that <laughs> might not work no. you know, at, at a gay bar. But, but absolutely, you know, when I was uh, running the agency, when we started, we had a lot of black women as clients. Mm. And I was trying to think of what we could do, you know, to, to help to, to match them. And one of the things that we stumbled on is placing one of our clients on J-Date. How did that go? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and are you allowed to do that if you're not Jewish? You see. Are you allowed? You, you, are you allowed? Yes. Should you? You know, that's a question. <laughs> I like to, you know, bend rules a little bit. Uh, but I did. I, I, I placed our first client on J-Date. And immediately what happens is you get the ignorant, fetishizing type comments but then you also get the, hey, what are you doing here? Are you allowed to be doing this? Oh, that's, oh wow, why are you here? Like, right. I'm interested. And then you get the curiosity. And that's the key with the premium effect is that when you place yourself in an environment that you're not familiar with, mm. there will be ignorant people. There will be people who will ostracize you, who will, who, who will not look at you, but there will always be a group who are curious about right. why you're there. And that's what you want because curiosity is one of the key characteristics of a strong partner. Okay. And would you extend that to putting yourself in situations that are maybe like class-wise or money-wise? Because I remember one of the things you said to me last time we recorded was you should always try and date somebody that's in your socioeconomic lane because that's like the greatest predictor for success. And I remember like one of my exes was like, a drug dealer from Brixton and like it just didn't ever work because so many things we were so completely like we would it's almost like we're speaking different languages and I always remember you saying that so would do you think that that would extend to putting yourself in situations like you know going to the Queen's Gala she's dead I can't think of <laughs> right but you're thinking <laughs> <Not marking. laughs> so so once you start talking about class uh culturally is really what drives it for example if you're talking about class in the United States, 
it doesn't matter. We don't care. Yeah. We're all about how much money you have. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that vibe. Here is different. Mm. You know, w- one of my biggest lessons is that, you know, in the UK, I, I think there's a significant amount of discrimination, right? Uh, segregation that happens through class. So it, it'll be a lot harder to do it in the UK versus the US. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. Now, the next thing from your book that I was obsessed with. And because I totally agree with it, is that you have all these people going around looking for one magic person that is going to fulfill all of their needs. And I was saying to my other single friend the other day about how I'm so single. And I was saying, do you know what? I have a good life. Like, I love my home life with my daughters. I have single friends in London that when I'm child free, I come down and we do crazy stuff. And then I have like mum friends. I spend a lot of time raising my children with my sister. We do that very much as a village. Mm-hmm. Um I get a lot of my needs fulfilled by various people. So do you think that's maybe an area where people are going wrong? Because even though I've been thinking this, you writing it in a book, I was like, oh my God, it's obvious. Like you can't get all of your needs fulfilled by one person. Right. It's very hard, right? It, it's, it's possible, right? But it's very, very hard. And I think that maybe a more pragmatic way for us to look at our relationships is to say, you know, I can get my needs met by my village. Yeah. Because that's the way it actually always has been. Yeah. If you go back 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, we would get intellectual stimulation from one person, emotional intimacy from one person, physical intimacy from, from another person. And so I think it's, it's, it's smart to realize, you know what? Maybe I can get my needs met by, by my village. But yeah. one thing I will say, and this is why I, I don't say this as a joke, why I know you are ready to be in a long-term relationship. You said this last time and that was a year ago, but and, yeah. But, but you know what though? <laughs> it doesn't, because you're ready, yeah. doesn't mean it happens tomorrow. No, true. You true. know what I mean? Yeah. It means that you're ready. And I think I a challenge yeah. that a lot of people have is, and I'm not saying this is you, it's yeah. a lot of people, is to say, you know, I'm ready. And then if it doesn't happen in a month, to turn off. Right. And when I say turn off versus turn on is the reason why I think you're on is because I can see you are satisfied with your life. I am. No, I see it. I see it. I see you with your girls. I see you with your family. I see you with your business. I see you traveling. I see you with your... Um, you know, with, with your audience, with your community. Because you're a super fan. Because <laughs> I'm, see, see, I'm, see, I'm proving it right now. I'm a super fan. Um, I see you light up, you have lit up as a result of what you have manifested in your life. Mm. What I learned in the book, and this is some of the groundbreaking research, because there's a lot of new research that we're unveiling in this book. One is that having high satisfaction in your life is not the number two, not the three, not one of the top. It is the number one indicator as to whether or not you will have high satisfaction in your relationship. Okay. That's the number one, greater than values, greater than sexual compatibility. It's that you walk into a relationship already saying, I really like my life and I really like where I'm going in my life. And sure, there are areas that I want to be better, but I like who I am and I like where I am. Because another person's just gonna highlight and trigger things that you're already not happy about, maybe. So there's <clears> there's <throat> a couple of interesting things here, like couple strands, right? One is that well-being or our satisfaction 
has a direct bearing on our self-esteem. Yeah. And in the book, I start to unveil that self-esteem shows up in a myriad of ways, right? In our relationship. For example, people who have higher self-esteem don't comply to traditional, um, uh, tr traditional attraction standards in their partner. Okay. Right? So think about this. This is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and and this may rub some people the wrong way or some people the right way, okay? You ever have that friend who points to a guy and is like, yeah, he's so sexy. And you're like, what? He looks like a frog. Like, he's a toad. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And she's like, no, he's wonderful. He's all of this. Typically what happens is that if we have low self-esteem, what does that mean? That means that we are always searching for the validation mm -hmm. of the masses the validation of the public. So when you are selecting a partner, physically, you want your partner to be able to, you want the public to say, yeah. Be like acceptable, yeah. This is acceptable. Job acceptable, treat, you know, how he shows up, acceptable. Right. But the higher you go up the scale mm -hmm. of self-esteem, the more that you don't care what the public has to say about your partner, and the more that you're curious about all of those you know, things that are, are obscure. Like my wife, uh, she has super, even when I met her, she had super high self-esteem. You know who her number one love of life is beyond me? Prince Harry. No. <laughs> Harry like, Styles. Where'd you, where'd you... Had he heard? That's I know. <laughs> no, no. Think, think, all right, it is Spike Lee. What? See? Yeah. You see that? You see yeah. that what? You're like, what? You're probably thinking of all kinds of things, like whatever. Is she a, uh, what's the word, a sapiosexual? Is that when you're attracted to someone's personality or like an intellectual that, kind that, of shit? That, that, that is. Although I think what a lot of people try to say is that they're sapiosexual, but they're really not. Because sapiosexual means that you will place intellect over physicality. Right. You know? And, and, and she's there, but I think what she loves about Spike Lee is the fact that he's, to her, he, he is different. Yeah. He is, you know, there's no one like him, and that's what makes him compelling. And because she's not, she wouldn't care about being validated by anyone, you know? He's shorter than she is, you know? Uh, and that would be fine, you know? But, so my point there is that self-esteem connected to well-being. So there's many things that are connected to our personal satisfaction and that directly dictates how satisfied we are normally in our relationships. Interesting. Okay, I've got something else from your book that actually this isn't from your book. I was listening to a podcast you did. I just realized it wasn't you, it was someone else. <laughs> But randomly, I was listening to a diary, um, diary of a CEO, yes. but it wasn't with you. It was with a happiness expert. And he said this thing that I was like, how interesting. And then you said it in your book. Oh, is I, it Dr. Waldinger was on? Oh, potentially. I yeah. don't know. But it's about all of the opportunities come, well, the majority of opportunities come from your weakest social links. Yes. And how you should always be working on expanding and strengthening those weaker links. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, it's so true. Like the closest people to you often aren't the people that are going to offer you opportunities. And it's actually the people on the periphery that become. And I was thinking with dating, 
this is kind of an idea I've had for a while and then you wrote it in your book, so I think it's right. I was just going <laughs> to ask 20 people I know, including you, okay. to set me up on a date yeah. with someone you know. Yeah. Hopefully your hot brother, Carl. Is he single? He is, is he DTF? He, he, he is he's dating oh. right now. He is in a... God yeah. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> we could have been brothers and sisters. Yeah, we could have been. We could have been. We could have been. See, I, I would have supported that. <sighs> yeah, I would have supported that. I do, do you think that's a good idea to say, not to like... People super close to me, not to my mum, my sister, but to say to people like you, people I know, yes. but you're like my weak ties, to say, you know people in your life, would you do me this honour, set me up on one date, and yes. I will go on that date with my whole heart, I'll put my, you know, I'll be polite, I'll be on time, and, and I will give it my everything. If I said that to 20 people, what do you think about that? That is one of the most effective dating strategies that no one knows about, but now they do. Wow. And it could potentially be a Netflix show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it could. It's so good that you should probably edit it out. Yeah. Oh. It's it I'm jo I mean, you know no. <laughs> but 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 it is um absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's Mark Granovetter and that's his research from Stanford okay. University uh, around weak ties. He's the one who coined that phrase, weak ties. Right. Um, and he he and all his research at Stanford and everything that you're saying adds up is that we have a certain number of people in our life. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Robin Dunbar out of the UK, uh, who wrote a great book recently called Friends, and he's the one who's come up with the phrase, the Dunbar rule, which states that on average, we all have roughly 150 friends yeah. on average. And if you line up your friends from your best friend, like your sister, right? All the way to your 150th friend, right? And yeah. say your 150th friend was me. <laughs> you got your, your number one and 150th friend in the room right now. Yeah. You would get much more opportunity in your entire life, in every aspect of your life from me from you, versus yeah. your sister. Because your sister has already given you everything. Yeah. Like she drove you here. You know what I mean? She fucking did not got the train. Oh, no. oh she, look at that. She's mad. No, she's disagreeing with you right now. Oh, drove to the station. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's got no one for me. She's got literally, I've asked her. But no yeah, she's, she's already, like, it's already uh, been done. Mm. The other thing is that you probably have a lot of similarities already. There's probably a lot of overlap in friends, a lot of overlap in interests. Whereas with your me, maybe your 150th friend, we have some similarities, mm. we have some values, but we probably have a lot more things that are uncommon and we probably have a lot less network overlap, right? Yeah. Friends and family that, that, yeah. that are overlapped. So therefore, because we do share some of the same values, because we do know and respect each other, then me introducing you to my network gives you all types of opportunity. Yeah. Right, career, uh, socially, romantically. So that idea, that is that that's that is the idea. So people should just grow some balls and say to some people in their life, like, "This is a bit embarrassing," or not even it's embarrassing. Just be like, "Would you introduce me to one person?" Like, I'm gonna do that, you know. Yes, so, I'm gonna do it. So, so um, in the book, and then also in my matchmaking, we made all of our clients ask three people in their network, right. and we try to make it as, you know, the 150th as possible to set them up on a blind date. And you and to do that, you need to do three things. Yeah. One is you need to say what you said at the top, and that was, and I loved it, is I'm going to go into this with full intention, right? That's one. 
Secondly is that you must give them a date. Okay. So you have to say, do this by August 15th or do this by December because we move off of dates, right? And then secondly is, or third is that you have to give them precisely how many dates you want, right? It doesn't have to be one. We told them that, that you would have to ask three friends for three dates apiece. Each friend had to get you three dates. Yes, Bloody be- hell. because chances are, if you were to say one, they could default on the one. Yeah. But if you say three, they'll most likely give you one. Okay. Right. right. So we would say three dates by a certain date, and then you commit to go in fully. And if you do that, you are going to meet incredible people because they're also not going to set you up with, you know, some yeah. schmuck. A weirdo. Yeah. I'm going to do that, Paul. So expect me to message you saying, can you set me up on three dates, please? You know what? I, I accept that. Great. I do. I, I accept can't that. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I accept that. Now, we can't do an episode about dating without talking about online dating. Okay. And I have mixed feelings about it. But I think as a time poor housebound woman with three children where I find myself most, you know, I work from home. I'm in, in every night because the children are in bed. Yeah. It's a fucking lifesaver. I love the fact that you can swipe from home. But you have to obviously stand out amongst all of these people on there, which is where I came. I wrote the premium effect. We've already spoken about that. But also another thing that really interested me is about social capital, how you can elevate your profile with your social capital. How do you explain that to people, what that is? Yes, so that that is another one of these gems that I'm trying to drop around how to not just elevate your dating life, but like how to elevate your social life and who you're connecting with and the caliber of people that you're connecting with. Mm -hmm. And when I say caliber, I'm not thinking about class. I'm thinking about how to connect with people who also have their light on, right? You have your light on, you're satisfied with your life. So you wanna be around other people with their light on, okay? So social capital to me is about everything within your life, your business, your friends, your family, what skills you have, everything about your life is about just trying to focus on becoming the best as you can in those things. So take for example, this podcast. I think this podcast has been transformational for you, you know, for your life. Definitely. And you think about how you focused and how professional you are in this podcast and how this podcast, as it has become more successful, what it does is it's like a tide. It lifts everything else up in your life, yes. right? Your personal life has become more successful. Your family life has become more successful. You probably have more people who now want to reach out and talk to you, more people who want to book you for things. You know, I have a friend who wants you for a project. You know what I mean? It- he keeps this shit to himself. What? <laughs> no, no, no. I've, I've told, I told you about my friend. No, you haven't. Yes, my friend has talked to you. No. We have talked about this. I, I never heard from him. It's not a he. <laughs> it's a she, she, she. We've talked about this. A long time ago. Yeah, I never heard from her. No, 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 no. She recently wants you. Really? For a major project. Okay. Yes. I'm sure there was someone a while ago you said, oh, you should have this person on your podcast. Is that not what you're talking about? No, Oh, no, okay. No, oh. This is This is something else. But my point, and you will remember she yeah you'll remember her is my my point though is that as a result of you becoming you you focusing on becoming world class right at this one thing in your life Mm. everything else lifts up yes 
more opportunities flow into your life. This is the key with social capital. So it's not like you're doing this podcast because you want to meet a husband. You're doing this podcast because you're passionate about this thing and it lights you up. Mm. So that is what social capital is. It's about finding the things in our life that light us up and not just doing it, but doing it exceptionally well. Right. And when we do that, we find that other aspects of our life will lift. And so that's, that's very, it's a very, very important strategy. I, I just love the idea of social capital. I, I absolutely love it. When I first read it, I was like, yes, I can get down with this shit. But I remember when I was setting goals once, um, I was thinking, what is the one goal that I can work on now? Because we obviously only have the certain amount of like energy and time. What is the one thing I can work on now that will make everything else easier? And that's kind of the same thing you're talking about. As yes. you know, you, you focus on one thing. And I think two years ago, when... I, I did lose everything and I had no money. I had no freedom. I had nothing really. I just knew that by focusing on money and career and getting this one thing to work, I could then afford a little bit of childcare so I could have a bit of freedom. I could afford a bigger go. house so my children could have their own bedrooms. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. everything else was just effortless almost because I worked on this one thing that would elevate it. But also from a dating point of view, how nice to go on a date and be like, so tell me about yourself. Oh, got a cat and I really enjoy my job you know been there for 15 years or I've got three daughters I've got a podcast I'm absolutely like passionate about I go to London once a month I meet all these different people I travel every year like yes. yeah yes that's that's like sexual isn't it that 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 is very sexy like that is, that's what sexy is yeah that's that is it you got so it. by working on that and then also when you meet someone you're just going to be happier in general. Like if you if you're in a job you don't like and you don't do very much with your life, when you meet someone, I don't know. I just feel like that person's going to highlight because people do highlight and trigger things in you how shit areas of your life are. But if you go into it being like, my life is fucking amazing, yes. they're just going to compliment it. Yeah, that, that's that satisfaction going into the relationship with high satisfaction. I'm here for it. I'm here okay. for it. Now I've got a question for you. I've got two questions. First one is, and this is a genuine question, okay. and I don't mean this in a funny way okay. at all. I've got 100 and... How many followers have I got on Instagram, Nish? I've got, say, 200 in total over two accounts, right? Okay. I post pictures of my life, of myself. I don't get a single dick pic. I don't get a single man sliding in my DMs. Mm. Not one. I'm not mm. joking. Like, not one. Why is that? Okay. Because I'm a super fan, I, I think I can tell you why. Why? Well, your audience is predominantly, I would presume, is predominantly heterosexual female. Yes. And All some right. gay men. Right. Right. So, mm. so, so one is that you have a very small pool of potentially dick pick senders. Yeah. So you're starting with a small pool of dick pic senders. Okay. That's But that's... ordinary girls with 1000 followers get dick pics. Okay. I don't get any. Okay. So so see th th there are a couple reasons. So yeah. so that's probably one. Secondly is that you I I haven't seen you do anything to invite to to allude or suggest that that's something that you would like to entertain. Now if it is then there're certain things that you could do, but you know, you, you don't seem to to exude. Paul, I went on a cruise and I made my friends spend 20 minutes taking a picture of my ass. <laughs> and I put it on Instagram. But, but see, it, it, it requires more than just a photo. Like, it requires a so succession. So I need to post weekly. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, if, if that's what you want, 
You know, I, mean, I, don't just want to dip. I just find it really interesting that I will speak to my friends with normal jobs, a thousand followers on Instagram. They've got a normal job at the NHS or something. She's like, oh, oh, I'm inundated with men in my DMs. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I don't get one. Would, would it insult you if I told you that, that, that I get a few? Oh, Paul. <laughs> There's a deluge. What, of dick pics? Of, of, of dick pics, yeah. No, send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a look. <laughs> You can evaluate for me. I can send oh them to you. God. I can send them to you. But but I think I think that's that's uh, that's like the, the key. I wouldn't I wouldn't at all attach the fact that you're not getting a, a dick pic to say that you're not compelling, right? That's I not, know I'm compelling, ex exactly. and that's why it's so dumbfounding. Exactly. <laughs> but but you know, but I from what I believe I know about you, you don't really want the dick pic. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Oh, one or two. <laughs> just to, you know, no, it's just, just a genuine question that, like, why do just ordinary girls say to me, oh, I've got floods of them? And I'm like, I don't get one. I yeah. just don't get it. I don't but, get it. But also, too, are you on the dating apps? Yes. Okay. Hinge, Tinder, Grinder. No, I'm not on Grinder. Okay. All of them. Grindr. Yeah. So on some of the dating apps, you can, you know, it's it's pretty easy to, to get a dick pic. Uh, but some, you know, like, I'm not trying to plug my good friends at Tinder, but. I do lead global insights for Tinder and you cannot send a dick pic um, on I mean, I don't actually want a dick pic. I just want someone to slide in my DMs and be like, hey. Oh, actually, I take it back. I had one man in four years who said, I'm living on a boat and I, it's going to moor in Lincoln soon. And I was like, no, I'm all right. Thanks. Okay. okay. You didn't like that? Well, boats are a little bit damp, aren't they? And like no heating. And where do you wash? Yeah. I wasn't down for that. Really? So you just judged him? That was a judge. I did judge him, yeah. Wow. No, I did look. I fully went about a year back in his profile, but he okay. spent a lot of time like drumming, just drumming yeah. on you the street. You weren't physically attracted to nah. him. Though. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I, I think that's the other thing is that we... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You have to just be, let's just be honest with that. That's the one piece that a, a lot of people dance around. Mm. It's like... Um, They'll blame it on everything else. Oh, I'm not interested in being a dad, so you know you have kids or whatever. No, you're right. If if it's if you're not physically attracted to the person, you could say it. You could say it. You don't have to be like I'm, I'm not. You know, you're right. I don't care about the boat. But I don't, you don't care, care about, about the drums. The no, I'd no. sit on those drums if he was six foot six. <laughs> like I'd <laughs> sit on those drums. Like yeah, no, you're right. I just he was yeah. no. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's okay. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. I mean, there's all types of things that. Everybody likes physically, so, you know, it's fine. Okay, that's fine then. Yeah. Now, the next thing I wanted to ask you is, you said in your book, 
soulmates are made, not found. Yes. Explain, please, for me, for the idiots in the back. Well, what do you mean? Well, there is a lot of romanticism that is alive in the world mm. that I believe is very unhealthy. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of therapists talk about the Disneyfication of things, right? Yeah. How we're waiting for our prince or we're going to go find our princess. And the idea around this romanticism is that the moment that you find someone, the game's over, done, you've won, right. that's it. You have to put in no more work, that is it, congratulations, you get your trophy, right. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is that you put in the work and you don't necessarily even put in the work to find someone else. Really is you put in the work to make yourself as compelling as possible. Right. Social capital, premium effect, like that's what you do. You're investing in you, become a better act. Like I think this podcast has probably made you a much better listener too, right? So think of all these skills, you're becoming superwoman, right? That's the key and then you enter into a relationship with someone and that's really where the quote unquote work takes place. Right. And so that's why I say that you don't just stumble upon your soulmate, you have to make your soulmate through this work and through this effort over time. Okay, so you could potentially meet your soulmate but if you're not gonna put in the regular effort of doing things together and having shared experiences and quality time, they'll very quickly not be your soulmate. Very quickly not. Like, I mean, if you, if you, you know, even if you think about things like, um, and not to go way left, but like, uh, I'm a big fan. I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, right? Who writes all about trauma. He's the king of trauma, really, in the world. Um, and he says something really interesting I, in his last book where he said 50 to 60% of adults have undiagnosed trauma. Wow. Undiagnosed trauma. So in essence, what he's saying is that 50 to 60% of adults, they see and feel differently as a result of the trauma, right? right? So you think about something like that. So you could meet, that, that's, that's one, out of two peop one out of two people, right? So you could meet someone who you're super attracted to and is attracted to, to you as well. And you could be you could be healed from your trauma or, 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 or secure in your attachment or all of these things. You could be satisfied in your life, but because of their undiagnosed trauma and because they see the world differently, they'll never be able to engage in a relationship with you, Yeah. right? So, so they could potentially have been your soulmate, but you will never have known that unless you guys make that through time. So that's the reason why it's, it's time. I think soulmates are made. And, and you can see that in people. Like when I look back at exes, it's so easy to say, oh, they're such a dickhead. They're such a narcissist. They're gaslighting me. It's really easy to like throw those, oh, they're a toxic person. Right. But actually, one of the things I regularly do is like I look through the lens of love. And every time someone like triggers me, I'm like, actually, how can you look at this through love? And quite often it's just that they're scared of something happening or this has happened to them in the past and they're scared it's going to happen again. And when I look at it through that lens, I'm like, it's not their fault. It's right. just what's happened in their life. And it helps me deal with them a lot better yes. in my life. But yeah, it's bloody impossible. Not only your own trauma, but someone else's as well. With someone else. Yeah, that, that's why it's, it's super complicated. But I love how you look through that lens. You know, if, if we can do that, we would realize that most of us are walking around uh, 
traumatized and also walking around in, in a lot of anxiety. You know, I, I was just looking at this chart that tracks anxiety over the years, over the last 100 years. The level of anxiety that, we're, that even children have today is 10 times what it was adults had 50 years ago. Wow. So we're all walking around stressed in anxiety in a state of threat. And whenever we're in a state of threat, we can never be our best selves. No, we all need to heal our nervous systems. Yes. Um, something else in the book that I really liked, and I think it's something that gets really like misunderstood, is you talked about setting relationship goals and getting really clear on relationship goals. Now, I know that sometimes women especially will be like, he's got to be over six foot, he's got to live in zone one, he's got to do whatever, which <laughs> right. I know you're going to say is not a good idea. So how can we set, like, set relationship goals, but in a positive way? The first is to be very clear and honest with what it is that you actually want. Okay. A lot of people, I think a lot of women do this. It, not I think, I know a lot of women do this. All the studies show is wait to be chosen opposed to choosing. Mm. Right? Now, the way that it's, we still live in a patriarchal society, if you look at uh, women just started to get a little bit of say around their relationships and who they would enter a relationship with in maybe the mid-1960s. And that's just crazy. in the Western part of the world. It's crazy. crazy. It's, cr it's, cr like, it's, even cr it's crazy to think that like, that's my grandmother's generation didn't have any say, you know? What's that movie on Netflix called Mrs. C or something? You will know it, Paul. You know, it's the first black woman business owner and she had all the hair products. Oh, yeah, um, um, uh, Madam C.J. Walker. Yes, yes. Madam C.J. Walker, whenever I feel like not very appreciative about my life, I think about the fact that I own my own business, I'm a single woman, I have three mixed-race children, I own my own house, and I just think, fucking hell, I'm living her dream. Oh, my like, gosh. That's what they could have just dreamt of. Could have dreamt, yeah. Our yeah. ancestors are like, Fucking yes, man! <laughs> yes. You're doing it. They, they, they are. They are. It's yeah. it's incredible. You know, it's 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 it is it's beautiful to see the progress. Um, it's incredible. It's 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 in. I'm in awe to see what it what we could look like, but we have to also recognize that as a result, there's a lot of turmoil happening between the sexes because we're trying to date in the old way. Exactly. It hasn't adapted to how we live now. It, pr precisely. Is that we are dating like it's the 1950s. Mm. And we have to understand that as the world changes, it demands that we have different types of relationships. You know, so for example, I, I used to say, you know, this is how my uh, thoughts on relationships have changed. I used to say, no, once you get married, that's it. That's it. You get married, that's it. Right? Yeah. But that's crazy. No, that's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. A matter of fact, I think it should be super, super hard to get married. There should be yes. tests and all kinds of things before you get married. You can't. You shouldn't just be able to go to Vegas and get married for five pounds yeah. in a drive-through with Elvis Presley marrying you. Like, no. no. But then, when it comes to divorce, you should be able to do it today. Paul. I agree. It, do you know how hard it was for me to get divorced? Like, it was super hard. They yeah. said no because neither of us cheated or anything. Yes. They said, no, you can't get divorced. Yeah. It was a ball. Like, we had to live apart for three years. 
how dare the government say I don't agree with marriage now for that reason I think I'm never going to have a government tell me that I have to stay married to someone do you know what I mean like yeah it's, no. it's, it's crazy even with the introduction here in the UK of no fault divorce it still can take six to six months to a year or or, or longer depending on the reasons yeah. depending on if you you know what agreements you had up front depending on how much money you have it's ridiculous but you know talking about the government something that is is not talked about and yeah. i'd love to be able to explore this in a book or or something else in the future is that you know it is the government wants us to be married in monogamous nuclear families this is to their advantage and what is coming, and I strongly predict this in the UK, I predict this in the US, is you're going to see the government interfering even more in our relationships and incentivizing, in particular, women to be married in a monogamous situation and, or monogamous um, household. And why do I say that? What's happening in China? What's happening in Japan? What's happening in South Korea? What's happening in, in, in uh, uh, I don't know if I said Japan? Um, or, or Singapore, North Korea. P you know, the first footage of Kim Jong-un, you know, the dictator of all dictators, the first footage of him crying. Yeah. You know what he was crying over? He broke it up with someone. No. He was crying because he was pleading with the women of North Korea to have more babies and enter in more wow. relationships. Wow. Right? The, the government, Tokyo, just a few weeks ago, Tokyo, the government of Tokyo rolled out a matchmaking app, a dating app. The government rolled this out. Right. This, this is to the government's advantage. And so it, I, I think we need to expect this in, in the West. It's coming. But that's because women are the invisible work load, the workhorses of this country. Like if you only need to have a baby to be like, Fucking hell, look how much you do. Unpaid, unrecognized, unhelped. Like, we're all just doing so much. And it is still such a predominant, like the motherhood penalty is real. Right. Um, but yeah, of course they want women to do that. They don't want women to be living their best lives, living in a little penthouse flat in London and fucking <laughs> spending their money on shoes, do they? Yeah, and, and bastards. And, and 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 what they really don't want is they don't want women to stop having babies. That's the What about the climate? Well, climate change well, well so i know there's there's a there's a big debate over this but where governments are falling in line is that you have right now a mass increase in population but if you look at population in 30 years 40 years 50 years because of the low birth rates mm. you see a drop a dramatic drop so that's the reason why Kim Jong-un is crying. Wow. Or that's the reason why people say that Japan could be one of the first countries to literally disappear. Because the, wild. Because the population is so old and you have no baby. So you, you know about replacement rates? No. Oh, okay. So every country has a replacement rate. On average, it's about two or 2.1. So what that means is that on average, each woman needs to be having at least two children to replace the population that's dying for whatever reason, right. old age, disease, accidents, et cetera. So you need to have, you need to meet the replacement rate. If you look back through time, 
especially in places like China or in North Korea, they were overpopulated. Mm. They were having like eight kids, right? Yeah. And seven kids. And that's why China in the 1970s institutes the one child oh, yeah. policy, saying, no, we need to slow down this. This is crazy, right? This is, this is crazy. But what's happened is that because of policies, because of, you know, governments poorly running their countries, because of, you know, whatever reason, the number of babies per woman yeah. has decreased lower than two. I think in the UK, it's like 1.6, 1.7. So what does that mean? What that means is that we're not replacing enough of the people who are dying. So when you are 85 years old, who, the young, it's the younger population that's going to be paying taxes Young, younger population that's going to be the, the, the nurses in, in the mm. hospitals. It's the younger population that's going to be working, is going to be the workforce. So if you don't have a younger population, you can't support your, your, your nation. Right. These governments know this, and they're actively working towards correcting it. And, and the first place that they're coming is they're incentivizing. They're going to start incentivizing women they, and, as a and, single woman. And men. Are they going to incentivize me to go on some dates? Because I will take it. A hundred pound a date, they're, they're I'll gonna go. Pay you. They're going to pay you. Will they? But I, well, no. What, what, <gasps> what, 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 you know what they're doing in, in Singapore and in Tokyo and all these places is they are providing uh, like tax credits, more tax but credits. But they already do. You already get like but more. married people fucking allowance. More. Do you know what? As a single mother, um, I, I don't get anything. I get absolutely nothing. I'm you entitled do. to nothing. You know, because... This is what the government, they they want you to be in a nuclear family. Yeah. That's but also, I take that back. I don't need anything. There you I go. I don't need anything from you, Rishi Sunak, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing on time. How far are we on time? I don't even know. Oh, are we? Okay, oh, right. Well, I won't ask you about that then. Um, okay, the last thing I wanted to talk about from the book was just um, having like a strong sense of self, how important that is to like we were saying earlier about your social capital, really just working on yourself before you get into a relationship. Not yeah. after, but like before, so that you know, what is that famous phrase? Stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Like right. know what you stand for, know what you're all about. And I, I look back at when I dated in my 20s and I think, fucking hell, I don't know how, like how I did it because I had no real, like, Paul, if you were around in London in 2008, I'm talking China White on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Fucking footballers everywhere. Every night. Boom, yep. boom, boom. Yep. It was all about who you were dating. That's what your social worth was. Was what footballers you were dating. What, you know, what parties you were invited to. But of course with that, as soon as that is taken away or you're not invited to a party or you're not dating a certain footballer, it's like, well, what does that mean about me? I've right. got my shitty job I don't like. You know, I'm living in a house sharing cams. And do you know what I mean? And I feel like now in my 30s, I do feel so secure, not just in my job where I live, you know, I can provide for myself, but just if no one else wants to date me, I'm fine with dating myself. Right. I'm a hoot. I'm a great person to be around. I have a great right. time by myself. Right. So how important is that? And how can people cultivate that self-worth before they date? So that if the person doesn't text them back, if they do get ghosted, if they do break up, if they do get Tinder swindled, they don't care because right. they're like, I love me. Yeah, because you, I mean, what you're saying is the gospel, right? And that's where 
I hope that many people move to. And I think that's the beauty of, of your podcast is that you have probably a lot of people listening who are somewhere in that range mm. of still out at the parties, finding all of their self-worth in others and those who are climbing up the ladder to say, you know what, my self-worth, I decide what it is, yeah. right? And so the question you're saying is, is how do you get there? Now, you know, I'm super nerd, so let me draw out the, the, the nerdy explanation of this, but this is how I think we can all do it. Okay. So um, even before this book, had you heard of Dr. Carol Riff or the I six? I thought you were going to say Carol Dweck, then I'm like, not that fucking book again. <laughs> Carol uh, Dweck. No, 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 no. No, Carol, no, no. no I Carol haven't. Riff and Six Dimensions of Psychological Wellbeing. No. All right. I think it's one of the most important concepts, period, okay. that is rarely talked about. Can you give us a Cliff's Notes yes. version? Yes. I'll say by the book. <laughs> By my book, because I because I break it down. But 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 the cliff's note is this: is that what Carol Riff did is she studied, and I know you're on this path where you have studied like all the greats. Like there's all these theorists around how do you live your best life? Because that's really what you're saying: how do I live yeah. my best life? Right? You've got people like Viktor Frankl, you have people like Carl Jung, you have people even like go back to Aristotle. Right? You have all of these people who uh, have talked about this. She studied all of them, and she's taken where they all of their theories overlap, and she's identified six areas, six dimensions. Right. And she's saying that if you feel like you are on your pathway of becoming your best self in each one of these dimensions, you will have total well-being. Okay. So what are some of those? One is being autonomous, right? Autonomy is one. Now, what does that really mean? That means that you feel like you have control over your time. Okay. Right? That's, that's very important. Another one is in personal connections, personal relationships. Not romantic, just friends. Yeah. Family even. Like, are you close with maybe the cousin that you didn't grow up speaking to, but now you feel like there's, there's a connection, there's a bond with your family, right? So there's, there's, there's that one. And remember, per, close relationships is just close relationships. Do you have those? Right. Another one is called environmental mastery. That is, is that do you feel like where you live and where you operate, that it allows you to be your best self, right? Mm. That, that's, that's important, environmental mastery. But there's, uh, there's six, right? There's six of these dimensions. And so what she says is that if you feel like you are on the pathway to become your best self in each one of these, then you will feel what Aristotle called eudaimonic. What is eudaimonic? Maslow has the hierarchy of needs. At the very top is self-actualization. And Maslow said that less than 2% of the world will ever be self-actualized. Wow. That is your best self. That's really what we want. That's what Aristotle said in terms of eudaimonic. Mm. So what Carol Riff is saying is that to get to the top of that pyramid, you need to identify these six areas and work towards becoming your best in each one of these. And I fully agree with that. And that is what I, I out unpack in the book because no one talks about, like what I try to do with this book is I try to dig up all of the academic research that academics talk about in their ivory tower, but they don't tell us. Right. right? They, they don't share with us. Instead, you know what we get? We get the five love, love languages. Oi, I fucking love that book. So I think it's a great book. <laughs> But Do you guess not love what? 
it's not backed by any science. If if you talk to if you talk to ten top researchers, academic researchers or psychologists, mm. nine of them would say it's insignificant. Do you agree with it though? Do you do you think it works? So when you say it works, what do you mean? Well, like I think when everyone reads that book, they go, "Oh my god, yes!" Like I can totally see. Like these are my two. Like I can totally see what my two are, and then you can see that other people. Like how even like my sister, like hers is gifts. She gets very offended if I don't buy her a gift for like Christmas or birthday. But I'm not gifty at all. I hate it when people buy me presents. I'm very much acts of service. So like I can now see that if I want her to feel loved as a sister, then I need to get her nice gifts. And I hope that she sees that she's appreciated by that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then if you take that into relationships, I think it becomes even more magnified because people, like we very often, you know, we're only sisters. We don't say like, I feel un, un, uh, what's the word? Like cared for by you. I feel undervalued because we're just sisters. But I think in a relationship, when you're working together in a family unit, people do feel unseen, un, undervalued. So I think knowing someone's love language, I think I love that book. All right. So, so here's, here's my take. Yeah, I love the book when I first read it and I bought into it as you have just explained. I yeah. said, this makes sense. My wife is like your sister. She likes gifts, right? I like, I'm like you, acts of service, do acts of service for me. Yeah. I bought into that, right? But what I started to feel and then once I dug into research and understood how, uh, you know, how Chapman came up with the five love languages, what I realized is that what we all are trying to figure out is how to make sense of who we are in our relationships. And if we have something as simple as one of these five, it makes relationships easier to understand. Yeah. It makes us easier to understand and the people around us easier to understand. Now, the challenge with the five love languages, just in my opinion, is that we all need all five. Oh. You, your sister, you said she's gifts. So what would happen if you never talked to her, never hugged her, never did anything on her behalf, right? Um, she, she would go mad. She needs all of them, all of them. Now, maybe she likes a gift over, uh, you know, a rub on the back, <laughs> but you know what? She's going to need a hug. At some point in she her life. If you hugged her, she would slap you around the side. She hates it. No, She but, hates it. But, but, but here's the thing. When I say a hug, <laughs> when I say physical touch, she needs physical touch. She, at some point in her life. I asked her to give me a massage once because I'd done my shoulder in. She put a towel between my skin and her hand because she didn't <laughs> want to touch my skin. <laughs> and, yeah, but I'm telling you, she needs it. Okay. Right. I'm going to give we, it to her. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go hug my sister right after this. But what I'm saying is that we all need, we need all of these. Yeah. You know, uh, words of affirmation. Like, oh, I we, love that. Yeah, like, like we, we, we need all of these things. Mm. I think what's the next step over, or should I say the next step from the love languages is to fully understand who we are. How do we communicate? Mm. For example, I'd say that knowing your attachment style and your sister's attachment style is going to be much more effective than guessing at a love language. Okay. Or knowing what trauma you've had in your life 
and how that sh continues to show back up in your life is much more effective, mm. right? Being an active listener, much more effective than anything. Like these, these are the keys. So I'm, I'm not like, I'm not shading it, but I'm saying that in, in my book. So when I was doing, when I was researching my book, I talked to every top researcher you could think of. And every time I brought up the five love languages, they'd be like, Psh. oh, and I'd say, well, tell me more. They'd say, you know, it's not peer reviewed. There's no science around it. Uh, it was an observation. And so I would look at that and say, wow, you know, I, I, I talk about five love languages all the time. But then as I sat down to really break it down, I realized that, you know, we need all of these things. Yeah. You need, you need to be nourished fully through all of these things. And then the last thing about five love languages is that most people misinterpret it. Mm. Most people say, okay, because you, because they'll say, okay, I'm acts of service. So that means that whenever you see me, just do things for me. But to the point of, no, I need everything. Like I, and I want everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, like I say, it's not just it's not just learning about that. It's also learning your attachment style, your trauma. Like I feel like that with manifestation. Like you can't just learn one one little theory. You need to see it all. And like you say, so much of this stuff is kept from us, isn't it? So much. And I think with women, especially, the top sort of like example of that, of like this stuff being kept for like the elite or something is like when you look at women and finance whatever you see on tv anytime there's advice for women on tv about uh finance it's how can you save how can you cut back mm. how can you coupon how can you scrimp there was one where they got a woman to cook herself a meal and like change her living room around so it looked like she was in a restaurant and i was like what kind of fucking world are we living in whereas men they're like this is how you invest this is how you grow this is how you attract more abundance into your life and it's like wow when you see that you realize we're being sold like the little tiny fucking bit we're, yeah I, I mean it's it's the patriarchal society you know anyone you know you have women are being sold the bin right you have people of color are being sold the bin but you know who's getting sold the bin the most and this is what i'm most fearful of when i look at relationships mm -hmm. is that anyone who's considered to be quote unquote low socioeconomic gets zero in well really in terms of anything in this world but you know in terms of uh, information flow but zero in terms of qualitative advice right? right and 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 it is i think it's all it's in part because well one is if you look at marriages let's and and i know not everyone's getting married married but m marriages is a great barometer to look at because you can study it over time is that most of the top 20 percentile of the wealthiest people in the world, they virtually all get married. Like virtually, like almost all, like 80% plus. Right. But if you look at the lowest 20% of socioeconomic in the world, virtually now all are almost not getting married. Right. Right. Now you look at uh, every other character or every other um, you know, measurement outside of that, you could begin to paint the picture. You could begin to see how, my God, the top 20 percentile, they're getting it all. Not only are they getting married, but then they're, get, they're getting the best advice. They do have the best therapists. They have the best tools to keep their marriage strong, et cetera, which 
which long story short is why podcasts like this are wonderful because what you're doing is, is you're saying, I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to go up to the ivory tower. I'm going to snatch that, you know, book that you're, you're using up there or whatever you're using. And I'm going to share it with the world. This, this is the key. And, and in part, I think this is why we're connected so well is because that's what I'm trying to do in the book is I'm trying to say, man, there's, re I mean, a lot of researchers, they even shun doing podcasts. You know, that, that's the thing, like a lot of, because that's not in the academic world, that is not coming onto a podcast or going onto a television show is not credible is yeah exactly it 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 actually reduces their their right. esteem you know they need to do more peer reviewed academic research that's right. that's what they want to do which obviously no one's fucking reading that well there's a small you <laughs> you're reading it <laughs> i'm in the audience like yes I like that, yes. <laughs> but now you're making it accessible. Yes. In a fun, entertaining read, yes. which I love. I love that for both of us. You're right. We are we are transforming it into something that is accessible for people and is enjoyable to consume. And I'm here for it. I loved your book. I, honestly, you. I'm going to read it at a slower pace where I'm not so stressed trying to find questions <laughs> from it. Um, and really apply it to try and find the love in my life. And this I'll update it. you if I do find him. Yeah. Well, I know now I need to set you up on three dates. You do? Yeah, you do you know who it's going to be? Oh, man, I've got to think about it. I have an idea for one already. Is does, he tall? Does the engineer count here? No, you can't take that one. Oh, really? No. That's your, sis no, your sister's taking that you one. You need to She's find that three one. different ones, please. <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 uh, I will. I really. Okay. Th this is something I'm going to do. I need to think on it. Okay. Uh, but I think I'm going to go, like, international. <gasps> I really want an American husband. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please. I, it's, I think you. You know, honestly, you. You know what my dream for you is. Yeah. Is you pick up the podcast, uh, you you take your children, you go to. I know you like L.A. Yeah. But I rather you in a New York. Okay. But you don't even have to go to New York. You can go to like an Austin, Texas, something like that, and you go for three months. Four months. I love this idea. And if you do that, yeah, here's what I can almost guarantee. I can guarantee that the, the experience is going to change your life for the better. It's going to change your children's life for the better. You are going to meet people that enter your life that will be friends forever. And that will be the highest likelihood of you meeting your husband is by doing that. Book my flights to Austin, Texas. All right. Get my cowboy hat. Yes. I'm going. Yes. yes. I will. Yeah. You, I will try that. Yeah. That, that is you. South by Southwest is there. It's a great vibe. Multicultural. Yeah. That's you. Okay. I'm down. Okay. Thank you for your advice, Paul. As always. You got it. My brother lives there, by the way. Hey. <laughs> I'm already following him on Instagram. Tell him to look out for me. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming back for a third time. Thank you for having and me. And when does the book actually come out? What is the date? The first of February. Okay, that is in no time at all. This might actually be before this is out. So, so, so we're out, baby. We're out. Time the book is out. It's just a construct. Thank you for coming. We'll see you soon. Thank you. The law of attraction has changed my life. It's going to change yours too, bitch. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com